0: Hi and welcome to Church Talks. This is our Sermon of the Day. We pray that it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged and uplifted by the talk that you're about to hear. Amen. Amen. Take your seats, Church. Amen. Awesome. I just love the words to that song, and we're doing a series called It Is Well with My Soul just for the next couple of weeks, and so I looked into the the providence of this song and, and where it had come from, and it's such an amazing story, you know, Today, I think sometimes we think, oh, songwriters will sit down and they think, right, we want to bless the church. We're going to write a song for the church. Or, you know, oh, look at all those people that are going through hard times. Let's write a song and bless them. But the story behind this song is amazing. So it was back in 1828. And the words, the lyrics were written by a Horatio Spafford. Now, he was happily married and he had five children. And life was good. He was committed to Jesus. He was a churchgoer. He loved Jesus. He loved life. And, and things were going well. Things were blessed. And then tragedy hit. And just at four years old, his only son died of scarlet fever. He died very suddenly, very quickly. He was taken by sepsis. And through the family, just getting over this, getting, coming to terms with that, then the great Chicago fire burnt through many of the businesses. Many people were left homeless. Many people lost their lives. And through this time, Horatio and Anna and the family lost a big chunk of their business, lost a big chunk of their their livelihood. Now, they were some of the fortunate ones, and they were able to rebuild some of that business back. And once again, he became successful. He was a lawyer. He was a Christian. He loved the Lord. He served the church. And they worked so hard to rebuild what so many had lost and what they'd lost. And after this time, Horatio wanted to treat the family to a trip to England. They'd all been working so hard. He'd been working all the hours. So, as a treat, as a family, they booked to go over to see their friend and evangelist, D.L. Moody, to go and see him on the circuit in the UK. At the last minute, Horatio had a pressing business matter come up. So, he didn't want to disappoint the girls, he didn't want to disappoint his wife. So, he sent them on ahead and he said he'd be on the next passage over and he'd join them shortly in a few days. So the girls headed off, Anna and their four girls, the four daughters, and they headed off and not long into the journey, their ship was hit by a big iron sailing ship and it went down and it sunk within 12 minutes. Of the 230 people on board that day, only four survived. And now Anna, Horatio's wife, was one of those, she'd clung to a bit of driftwood She'd clung on until a passing rowing boat had picked her up and then taken her to another vessel that was headed for Cardiff. She got to Cardiff, she got to the UK, and she telegram-messaged Horatio saying, Saved alone, what do I do? So immediately, Horatio booked his passage to come over and to meet his wife. All four daughters had perished in that accident. and And before the Titanic... Some 50 years later, that was the worst maritime disaster ever. And as the point where Horatio's ship was going over, the point in the sea where the accident happened, the captain summoned him and called him and he looked and he saw the watery grave that held his daughters. And that's where it said he began to pen those words. And don't those words take on a whole other meaning now, hearing... That story, when peace, like a river, attendeth my way, when sorrow, like sea billows roll. Whatever, my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And we were starting to think about can we say it is well with our souls? And just listening to that story, I think, gosh, do you know what? We think Jesus has abandoned us if our favorite thing isn't in the supermarket, do you know? And there's this man, he's just lost his entire fortune, his, his entire future. He's lost everything, his legacy, it's gone. His legacy isn't in his business, it isn't in the successes, it was in his children. And it was all taken. It was all gone. Yet there are the times where he clung on to God. And aren't those lyrics amazing? Those Satan comes and buffets us (laughs) through trials. Still they were clinging on. And then he goes on to say, it's all about the cross. Even there, he only stayed with his heartache. He only stayed with what had happened to him and and, and sort of singing to get himself to look at Jesus. And then he's there about, you nailed all of my sin to the cross. And then that glorious second coming that's to come. And that's the Christian hope this morning, church. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. That yes, we can say it is well with our soul. Because if we're a Bible-believing Christian here this morning, if we believe that Jesus is our saviour, then... As Horatio penned there, no matter what, no matter what, losing all of your five children, losing four daughters in one go, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Amen. You see, we still, re- we still sing this hymn, and it was amazing. Do you know I hear people sing it? They sing it so loudly. And it's such an amazing hymn that even after all those years, it just connects still with people. And to hear you sing it this morning was just glorious. I'm looking forward to heaven. I'm sure we'll be singing it in heaven, definitely. So we can you know, we sing these words, and there's lots of life techniques that we can try and employ to say it is well with my soul. And I just want to look at Paul and some couple, a couple of people in the Bible. So Paul in the Bible, he writes in Philippians 4.11, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things, all of this, through him who gives me strength. I can give... I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. And again, we can think of Paul, and if we read his letters in isolation, or if we read some of his teachings in isolation, we can think again that he's in a very lovely house. He has servants. He is well-fed. He is well-looked after. No, that's not the story of Paul. Paul, actually, it was his wrongful arrest that meant that he went to the different places that he went to. He really, he had to appeal to Caesar because he was about to be flogged. He was stoned by the very people that were his friends. He was mistreated and ill-treated. But God used all of that. And here this man is standing there saying, I can be content with what I have and I I can be content if I've got nothing. And this church, I want to encourage us today to stop waiting to step into our calling, or to stop waiting to serve God when all of our ducks are in a row. To not wait until we feel like we're in a strong enough place to serve the Lord. Because when you look at all of the heroes in the Bible, and they're not, it, and it's very obvious, uh, very often the adversity. That puts them in the position for their greatest miracle. It's the adversity and the wrongful things. You know, Paul was accused of a riot and all he was, he was preaching and he was being respectful, but he was accused of rioting. And actually it was that arrest. And because of his Roman citizenship, he just said, I appeal to Caesar. So he is taken under arrest. He's in house arrest for two years, speaking to the different officials and again, how often can we say, well, God has just forgotten me. I'm not free. I, he couldn't leave to go wherever he wanted. Yet in that situation, in that situation that held him and bound him, that was where some of his greatest lessons. That's why we've got many of his letters today. Because he wasn't free to go and preach to different people. He had to, But he had time to write. And so even, even for us, selfishly today, all those thousands of years ago, we're benefiting from Paul's seeming adversity, because we get to read those letters today. And then there's the story of Joseph. I love the story of Joseph. And again, it can be one of those stories that we knew as a child, And we've heard as a child, and we can flick over because we know the ending. We know it works out okay for Joseph. But I love to study that story, and I really go back and read it in Genesis and really put yourself in Joseph's position. And you think, you know, he was set apart by God, he was given a dream. By God, and he was set apart by God. He knew that he had a calling on his life. He knew that something amazing was going to happen in his life. And that yet, what happens next? Because of the jealousy, and maybe his big mouth, but the jealousy of his brothers, he's in a pit. And not only then is he in a pit, he's then sold as a slave. But hang on a minute, God, you gave me this dream. I didn't even ask for it. You gave me this dream. You've set me apart. And now I'm not even in my house. I'm not even with my family. Things haven't got better. They've got worse. I'm a slave. I'm now a slave. I'm in captivity. And then he goes and he sent, you know, through the fullness of time, read the story. I'm really chopping through quickly. But he ends up working for a man called Potiphar, who was a very important person, and he went, he went to work for him. And again, honestly, how many of us would have just still been going, but Potiphar, you don't understand. I've got a family. I'm not a slave. I don't belong here. And I'd have been crying in the corner and just saying, come on, this isn't fair. This isn't fair. <laughs> I shouldn't be here. I'm called of God. I've been set apart by God. Why am I a slave? Why am I serving? But it doesn't say that. He says he worked hard he worked hard so even though it wasn't fair it wasn't where he should have been it wasn't his portion it wasn't what he should be doing he didn't want to be doing it he still worked hard and he worked so hard that he was then promoted to be a house slave and again this was a big promotion he was trusted with the inner family he was trusted to be near Potiphar's wife to be near the the important people in the house so Even again, in his adversity, in the place where he shouldn't have been, where he could have done the bare minimum because he was like, this is not mine, I'm going to wait until God puts me in my rightful place and then I'll put the effort in. I'm going to wait until God has lifted me into my proper position and then I'll put the effort in. But no, even when he fell and even when he was in the lower place, he worked hard and he served hard. And so then what happened? God reward him and he was set free. No! (laughs) Then Potiphar's wife really takes a liking to him and he does the right thing. He refuses her. He says, no, 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 I'm not going there. I I honour my, my God and I honour my boss, Potiphar. So she rewards him and thanks him by accusing him anyway, accusing him falsely, which lands him in prison. And I just want to read this scripture, and again, we can read through these, but I read this scripture, Genesis 39, 20. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warder. Great. Thanks, God, but I'm still in prison. He showed him kindness and he had favour, so God was with him. God was working through him, but he was still in prison. <laughs> and again, church, how many times do we do that? How many times we go, right, this is not fair. I'm going to fight. I'm going to shout. I'm going to, anyone that will listen, I'm going to say and tell that I should not be here. This is not what God has created me for. But miss, completely miss the favor and the kindness in that situation that God has bestowed on us. How many times can we miss that? Because we're looking for what we think God should be doing in our lives. We're looking for what we think he should have done. We miss what he's doing right where we are. Do you see see what I'm saying? So Joseph saw and took the kindness again. Yeah, maybe it's just me. Maybe you're all far more saved than that, and you'd have been the same as Joseph. But I would have been going, God, what are you doing? In fact, and he was there for 12 years. We're not talking about an overnight wrongful accusation and a stay. He was there for 12 years. Now, if we don't get our prayers answered in 12 hours, we can think, well, that's it. Bless God. I'm not bothering anymore. It's, you know, I served once at church and my whole finances weren't paid off. Like, what what are we thinking? Do you know, sometimes we try something once and we just think, well, that's it. I prayed once and it didn't happen. No, it's that, as Scott just testified there, it was over the fullness of time. It didn't happen overnight. That was 10 years, you just said, didn't you? Over 10 years. But that's the faithfulness of God. It might not be like that. God's not a genie that we just rub on the lamp and just say, okay, God, can you do? It's about a process of being faithful to God in the small and being faithful to God when you're in the midst of the stuff that you don't want to be in, that you don't deserve even, but it's being faithful to God in those moments, and then you have the testimony. You get to have the testimony at the end, but it might not be quick. It might not be over quickly, So can we say, it is well with our soul? And I love, as I said, I love those stories. I love the story. It's just so humbling, the story of Horatio and hearing what he went through and and the writing of that song. But you know, sometimes... Whatever we do in life, sometimes life just happens, doesn't it? But even in the midst of that, and even in the midst of disaster, we can still say, it is well with my soul. When we choose to trust God above everything else, when we choose to put him first, as we were saying a couple of weeks ago, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things, whatever the things are, all these other things will be added unto you. So it doesn't always mean that things like anxiety or depression or illness or ailments or things like that won't come knocking at our door. Just because we're a Christian, it then doesn't mean we won't be faced with adversity. We've just seen that, haven't we? We've seen that with Joseph. We've seen that with Paul. Now, if any of you know me, you know I love, and I've probably sent you a a link to Dr. Caroline Leaf because I love her teaching. She's a neuroscientist, um, uh, amazing teacher, author, and a Christian. But She's actually conducting a massive clinical study at the minute. And uh, it's really interesting because the other night, the Lord just woke me up with... Well, I say the Lord just woke me up with... I couldn't sleep and I just felt right down all these... There's this thing about a warning light, and actually then I read some things that Dr. Caroline Leaf had written, and she said often these things can be a warning light. So anxiety, depression, panic attacks, some illnesses, different things. How often, and I'm not saying it's wrong, but how often can we come up for prayer for the warning light, which is the... the, the fruit of a symptom, we can come up and pray those things away, or pain, we can pray pain away. Yet God has created amazing warning lights in our body. He's created amazing warning lights to show us that something is out of balance. And this is the study that she's looking at at the minute. That actually, rather than just drugging or you know numbing. Um, a warning light and one of those um, ailments or illnesses we need to get to the root cause you know I know my my testimony is extremely boring with um, with an illness and an ailment that I deal with daily and I've had to get to the root cause I've had I couldn't just pray away and just be airy-fairy and then and a lot of people do it and they wonder why they're still sick when actually there's some really easy practical things to do and that's what I believe do you know what when we're Christians we don't switch our brain off in fact, God has given us such a creative, amazing brain. It is, it is so capable of so many brilliant things that actually as Christians, even more we need to switch our brains on. And we really need to pay attention because so often, as I said, we can just think like the genie. Oh, I'm just, this isn't right. This is out of balance. This is wrong. I'll just pray that God will balance it. When he's like, I've given you all of the abilities, all of the resources, all of the wisdom to actually sort this. Now, our bodies are amazing, and that's why we have pain, and that's why we have things, because it says, Sarah, there's something out of balance. You might want to just have a look at that. And so I felt like the Holy Spirit just gave me this image of a warning light. Now, Helen and I share a car. We, well, I, I borrow Helena's car, and um, we've had this engine management light that comes on in this car. And now. She's taken it to the mechanics. We, we we have done everything we should do, and they've run it through the diagnostics, and you know they they can't find what's wrong with it. They said it's absolutely fine. But anyway, this warning light is on this car all of the time, and so we ignore it. <laughs> we drive along merrily, ignoring this warning light. And I just thought, how often do we do that in life? How often actually has God? A God-given warning light has been put into our either our bodies or our minds, or you know maybe the warning light could be our children are playing up, and actually rather than just praying against our rebellious children, actually maybe there's maybe there's something going on with them at school, or maybe there's something going on with them, or you know maybe they they, they, they need some attention, or and again it, you know if our knees are bad, or if um, I say with my with, with my stomach or headaches or you know, there's different things. Maybe there's something out of balance. So this, we're trying to pray away the, the, whatever it is, the ailment, when God is actually saying there's something out of balance. As a teenager, I used to live on super noodles. I just used to live on the, I had the worst diet because I was lazy. I was absolutely lazy. And through the warning light of, yeah, you're, you're not going to get away with that. Because in the end, if I'd have stayed living on super noodles, I'd have been a very sick person. I'd have been a very poorly person at the end of it. So through that, I've had to learn that actually you can't get away with just living on super noodles. You need a balanced, round diet. So that's something that I'm really passionate about, is that actually it can really affect your health. It can really affect your mood. It can really affect every area of life. And with uh, poor Scott, I was like, right, Scott, I'm glad you've opened the, I'm really picking on you this morning. Sorry. I'm glad you've opened the coffee shop. Now let's make it healthier. (laughs) So, sorry, everyone. So the healthy things are now, because I was like, I'm not going to stand here and berate people and tell them what to eat and what not to eat. But I said, maybe we can model it a little bit. And he's done brilliantly. So, There's there's still lots of treats in there, but we've tried to go for the slightly less sugary. We've gotten to slightly wholer food. So, bless God, he's really done a great job. Sorry, Helena. But the Holy Spirit did also rebuff me on, he showed me Romans 14, and it was, do not be condemned by what you approve. So, you can eat that donut, drink that Coke. I am not going to condemn you because I don't want to be condemned by what I approve. But the truth is, junk in, junk out. And that's whether it's in our mind, in our eyes, in our ears, in our mouth, you know, what we put into our relationships. If it's junk in, you get junk out. That's just like gravity. So but anyway, so back to the warning light. And um, this is what I really felt the Holy Spirit was saying this morning, is that just have a look at your warning light. So we're driving around, merrily ignoring this light And then I just started to think how ridiculous it would be. But this is what people do. So this is a metaphor. Go with me with my weird analogies. So our warning light is an illness or it's anxiety or it's children playing up or it's a weird vibe at the office or something. There's just something off. Your soul doesn't feel well. It feels off. And how many of us can drive around with that? And then we think I don't like that warning light, so I'm gonna pray it away, or I'm gonna get a nice little flower sticker. Mine would be a flower, yours could be whatever. A nice little flower sticker and I'm just gonna pop it over that warning light. You just you wouldn't do it in your car, would you? But how often do we do that in life? I'm just gonna shop until I feel better. I'm just gonna eat until I feel better. I'm just gonna Netflix binge until I feel better. I'm just going to drink that wine until I feel better. I'm just going to hide away or go out. Or, and again, not one of those things is wrong in and of itself. But when you're doing it to cover your warning light or to distract from your warning light or to numb your warning light, there should be a warning in there. Or you might frame it. Oh, so I've got this lovely engine management light. And I'm going to get a nice little frame to make it look pretty, because then it doesn't bother me, because it looks pretty, it looks nice. So I like it. And then I'm going to invite people around to come and see my nice pretty engine management light. And I wonder if they've got one. Have you got got a warning light on in your car? Oh, what colour's yours? How long has yours been on? How long have you had it for? Oh, yes, no, I've tried that, but I don't think it really works. So I just, I'm going to stick with my warning light, because I quite like it. Or, then mine, I'm such a girl, I'm sorry, but I'd get a pink, fluffy steering wheel cover. You know the ones. Anyone got one of those here? No. A nice, because then it just distracts, so it's not the first thing people see. They see a nice, pink, fluffy steering wheel cover. They don't really look at your warning light, because you've got your nice, and your fluffy dice, and whatever else you want going on your car. So, you hide, and you distract people from your warning light, even though it's there. Now... Like my husband driving a car, he will play chicken with the petrol light. Does anyone else do that? The second the petrol light comes on in my car, I'm in there and I want to go to the, to the supermarket, the right ones to get my points, and I want to get my petrol. <laughs> But he will play chicken. And even now on a lot of cars, you've got a range device. You can see how far you've actually got to go. Well, when it gets to about 10 miles, the range thing then just zeroes out. So then that's even more of a challenge for him. So he's like, I ain't going to get that. And he's never run out of petrol. And I'm always like, you're going to run out. No, it'll be fine. It'll work out. It'll be fine. But in life, when there's a really obvious really easy, fixable warning light, we'd be stupid to ignore it, wouldn't we? And that's it, so often we get these warning lights and it's so obvious to you, if you're honest, and to everyone else around you, come on, just a little tweak here, a little tweak there, just go and visit the petrol station. So in my manual now, we need to take some time and that's the thing, we could leave this engine light, we could leave this flashing warning light, We could leave it where it's saying we're running out of fuel, we're running out of um, oil, we're running out... There you go, there's a good one, the oil light. Running out of that, we're running on empty, and we're flashing and we start to get those niggles that we're running on empty. And again, rather than stopping and making time to come into the presence of God, how often on a Sunday morning is it easier to say, I feel a bit rubbish, I'm just staying in bed, when you need to get to your petrol station, you need to get into the house of God, you need... This is the very place... You need to be, but at the time when we feel our worst, we can just go. Oh, I can't be dealing with that, and so we drive past the petrol station. We we don't put the oil in the car, but we know what happens with the car. It breaks down, and then we have a disaster, and then we have a crisis, and then we have massive expense because we ignored the warning light and that's why I want to just encourage you this morning churches and we're going to have some time this morning and we're going to pray for people we've got Mick in the hospital we've got other people that have got situations that they need prayer for and we're not going to pray away the warning light what we're going to pray is that God will just have wisdom in that in those situations that God will go you know We'd be silly, wouldn't we, if the doctor tells us, okay, you need a pacemaker fit in, just praying that away and not having the pacemaker fitted. That's just ludicrous. But in that, we're just going to pray for God's protection, that the angels, I'm just going to pray the angels will, will just guide those surgeons as they do that surgery, that the recovery will be quick. We can pray all of those things, can't we? And the, the, that's the thing. We need to get back to the Word of God. If our car is broken or if the light has come on, we either get it to a garage, come to the church, or you read the manual. And this is our manual for life. And this is why I say we looked just at the Beatitudes and then the Sermon of the Mount. And you just have to read that. And there are so many answers to the life's questions. There are so many fantastic pointers to life's questions in there. Yet how many of us go around with these warning lights and we don't know what they mean and we don't know what the solution is. Yet, if we just picked up his manual, if we just picked up the Word of God, we would see the answers to some of our questions. And you know, but sometimes you need help. Sometimes you need to go and get some help, and you can't do it by yourself, and that's brilliant. But don't settle for a numbing. Don't settle for a sticker over your warning light. Plough in and say, no, I want to get to the root cause. I want the root cause of this to be solved. I want the root cause. And it might be a journey. And as I said, I'm on a journey. I'm not at the end of my ailment. It's still something I deal with. But I'm on a journey. But I know that God is with me on this journey. And I've seen his faithfulness. So even though I haven't had, like Joseph, I've not been taken out of prison, but I've seen his kindness and I've seen his favour within the situation. So don't miss those opportunities. Don't miss his kindness and his favour in those opportunities because you're not where you think you should be. But, you know, I just think God has given us amazing bodies. He's given us amazing senses. I was saying the, the weird vibe in the office is maybe there's some practical things that you can do check your hygiene <laughs> just just check you don't smell check Are you doing something or not doing something that your boss or other co-workers are expecting of you? Clarify expectations. You know, you could pray against an awkward person or you could actually pray for the awkward person and say, God, show me how I can actually make a difference there. I love a challenge. I love it when people don't like me and I think, right, I'm going to pray until I find your niche. (laughs) I'm going to pray until I find your, your little hook. And um Yeah, that's why I think in in every situation, we can pray to God for wisdom. Now, yeah, so James 1, I'm just going to end with with some scriptures, and then we're going to have plenty of time for worship and plenty of time for, for prayer for those situations. But James 1, 2, "'Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, "'whenever you face trials of many kinds, "'because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance.'" Let perseverance finish its work. Don't hop off the bus quickly before it's quite finished because it's a bit painful and it's a bit awkward and it's a bit, oh, I don't really want to do that. Let perseverance finish its work. So then what? You may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing or not lacking in anything. Isn't that where we want to get to, where we can say like, Paul, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I've got, it doesn't matter if I haven't got it is well with my soul. Joseph could say, it is well with my soul. And we know the end of the story. We know God put him at the place where he should have been. He know he restored far more to him, but there was a process. He let God do what he was needing to do in that. He let perseverance finish the work. And then, you know, church, these are the words of Jesus in John fourteen twenty seven. We don't serve a dead God. We don't serve a God that doesn't care. We serve a God and we worship Jesus who he knows everything that we've been through. He came and he suffered like a human suffers. He came and he experienced so much of humanity. So he's not an uncaring God. He's not an unfeeling God. He loves us. And this is what Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Church, these are the promises that we have as Jesus followers. These are the promises that we have to not be afraid. And in any situation, whatever your situation is now, bring it to mind. And Jesus says, my peace I give you. My peace I leave with you. And Philippians 4.4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, that which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Then whatever my lot... Thou hast taught me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. So, church, as we sing, as we worship God, you know, we sang those songs, I've seen you move, you move a mountain. Church, his promise still stands this morning. His promises for us are yes and amen. His promise still stands. So, let's make sure that we're constantly moving forward, that we're still in the process that we're still in the game, that we haven't taken ourselves out. At any time, bitterness could have taken Joseph or Paul out of the game. David, all of these other people, any time they could have taken themselves out of the game, yet they stayed trusting God, even when everything around them looked as though God had forgotten, even though it looked like God had not, wasn't doing anything. But church, don't let bitterness get a hold. Don't let fear get a hold stay in the game let perseverance finish its work thanks for listening to CommChurch Talks we'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek cons. for more information or to contact us please visit www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook God bless